Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris. Schmitz. Happy holidays and welcome to it. Hail Varsity Radio Best of Edition. I'm Damon Barr. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery and we are going to kick things right off on this Best of Edition. We are going to go to longtime Husker assistant coach Rick Kaczynski talking about tough coaching and tough love. Let's get caught up with uh, former Nebraska assistant Rick Kaczynski with this. Kaz, have you traded the turkey in for a Santa hat? How are you? Welcome to December. <laughs> not ready for the Santa hat yet, brother. Not ready, man. So uh, just still winding down, starting to get the tree up. Got one of those pre-lit trees, and, of course, when you put it up, none of the none of the lights come on. So that's uh, that's our battle right now. So, oh, man. Uh, so I, I, <laughs> I guess it's better than trying to figure out how to stop Alabama, right? right yeah. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. It be worse. Well, uh, <laughs> hey, you have a, a month uh, looking forward to, to watching uh, Christmas Vacation and getting those lights to work, right? Yeah, there we go, man. Yeah, so my wife's pretty good at that stuff. Um, I'm good at buying things, and she's pretty good at uh, at decorating. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, that's kind of... That's kind of her gig, her and the kids' gig. So I just come home from uh, from the Home Depot with uh, with big boxes and let them unpack it. So well, if you need I'm a, the bank, I'm uh, the bank. You know how that goes. Well, man. if you need, if you need a couple extra trees that aren't you know show worthy, there's two in storage at our house because Lord knows we need three trees. You know, so uh, <laughs> tell me about uh, what you saw with Nebraska, Iowa, and and kind of get into. As we've deemed it here, clap gate. What were what were your impressions of the game? Another another tight ball game. Nebraska didn't uh, didn't win. Iowa, they're really good at winning close games. Yeah, just you know, kind of starting with the positives and and bear bear with me. I was watching it on a phone. Uh, I was at the Notre Dame North Carolina game and um, um, on the drive up on the drive up to Chapel Hill. So I had it. Uh, I had it on my uh, center console on my truck. So me and uh, me and my son Victor were watching it. So uh, so yeah, I missed a few of the details. But um, yeah, I, I like the way Nebraska came out. I thought they they played real aggressive. Um, I liked how the defensive line. I, I thought they were coming across the line of scrimmage. Played real physical, and and they were getting off blocks. So uh, obviously, I think the Iowa had 129 yards rushing. So. Uh, you knew what Iowa was going to try to do, and Iowa wasn't able to do that, and, and still won the game. And you know, when you get to the close games, uh, I mean, that's Iowa didn't beat themselves, and, and Nebraska just did too many things to keep Iowa in the game. 
give Iowa a short field, and, and, and you just can't give a good football team too many chances. So, um, And I think that's what they did. You know, the muff punt, um, the snaps, all those type of things, Schmitty. So, uh, I mean, it really came down to November Big Ten football, that the team uh, who made the least amount of st- mistakes wins the football game. You know, I, I think in the SEC and these other conferences – you talk about who's the more physical team. I can tell you I was at that Notre Dame game Saturday or, or Friday. Notre mm-hmm. Dame was the more physical football team, right? Uh, both teams were physical, Iowa and Nebraska. So it didn't come down to who was the more physical football team on Friday. It was who was going to make the least amount of mistakes. And, um, and unfortunately for, uh, for Nebraska, that was, that was Iowa again. Rick, t- kind of reset your story with – the the center position I know you played it but you also moved to it was that a hard sell for you in your career you were really talented out of the Notre Dame but you didn't start out as a center no I went there um I was about 212 pounds um my senior year of high school and uh, I used to get split out play a lot of tight end outside backer so that, that's where that's where folks recruited me as I uh, got to Notre Dame, um, and, uh, you know, I played tight end, was redshirted like it used to be back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, I came in planning on redshirting and getting strong and big and all those type of things. So, um, you know, played tight end and, and then got moved to fullback in the spring some, and that that uh, that wasn't for me. I was a really <laughs> – I was, I was a bad fullback, Schmitty. So I uh, give those guys credit, especially those Nebraska guys, and uh, and just just amazing. I, I I embraced, I enjoyed the the contact. I just uh, I wasn't real good in space when guys moved on me. So in a telephone booth, I could I could block you, but uh, when you <laughs> moved in space on me, uh, it was it was hard. So I, I went back to tight end, and then um, then I went back to uh, then I went back to center. So it really it, it was just a matter at that point. I wanted to get on the field. Right, I I came in with a really good recruiting class uh the guys i came in with the guys i was they were they were playing so i at that point Schmitty, i just wanted to get on the field uh fortunately for me unfortunately for a, a few other guys we had some guys get hurt and um coach holtz and coach moore really didn't have a choice so we had about four tight ends that were in the mix I was playing about 10, 15 snaps a game, and I wanted to start. I wanted to play the whole game. And they, they asked who, who, which one of us out of there was three that were uh, asked to move, and I put my hand up. And I remember Joe Moore. Joe Moore wrote on his board. He said, you're going to be a three-year starter if you listen to me. So, and that was, kind of, that was kind of the transition, and I was very, very fortunate um, that I was surrounded by great football players with a lot of experience. So, so that really helped the transition. But, I mean, once, once I was in there, there was no way you're getting me out. And in, in, in this day and age with the transfer portal and all those type of things, Schmitty, it's, you know, when I was coming up, I was hoping they wouldn't ask me to leave, mm-hmm. right? That was the mentality. I was hoping to get on the field, and I knew – it was up to me, not the coaches. It was up to me. I controlled my destiny once I got on to campus at Notre Dame. It was up to me, not 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 the coaches. So, so you know, uh, unfortunately, that's uh, that's what we're dealing with with this transfer portal and, and college football these days. So, wasn't a hard transition for me, but I was surrounded by some great coaches and some some great players that made that easier for me, Schmitty. Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. I look at, at what Nebraska's done with Jurgens 
uh, really explosive athlete, super talented, very physical, but just uh, not throwing strikes all the time. And he's a good a good kid. I mean, he's he's going to work on it. And Nebraska stuck with them, and there weren't problems in the second half with it. That said, you know firsthand the difficulty of playing the position. You also know that you got a job to do, right? So uh, that, that that dynamic, but it's. I mean, you've uh, you've coached uh, defensive line. You, you've kind of laid out the positions you know, and you've you've played uh, in your career. How does center stack up to that from a difficulty standpoint? Between the mental side, and then you got to be one of those road graders up front too. Yeah, I think when you look at the history of of the the schools, you know, you look at the pipeline, mm-hmm. you, you look at the Notre Dames of the world, the 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 Ohio States, the Penn States, the um, Oklahoma when they used to try to run the ball mm-hmm. on people. I, I, when you when you look at these great teams, Alabama, going back to the uh, White Stevens sure. way back, you know, um, when you look at those guys, you have the athletic centers athletic centers guys that can get to the second level but also not only were they athletic I, I, you know you're the, you're the quarterback for the line you're making the calls you're seeing the secondary you know I, at Notre Dame they put a lot on us rightfully so man you know who was double who was the double reader in the protection we had we we started at the safeties we looked at the structure all those things so that going back to the earlier question about the transition that was the hard part was mm-hmm. was you know, handling that mental aspect of it where, you know, the responsibility is on me to get everybody going in the right direction. But you know what? If I made the call, I made the call with confidence, you know, everybody was on a string. You know, this is where we're going to. This is the mic. This is the free. This is the check. This is the – you're the double reader. So, you know, those those things, that's big boy football, man. Um but, you know, Schmitty, the snaps and everything else that go along with it, I mean, that, that's, part, that's part of the game. And I, when I look at Cam, um, you know, in that transition from, from tight end to, to center, um, it happened for him, you know, right away. You know, I switched a couple different positions and all that. But Cam, he's explosive. He's athletic. He's smart. I mean, he, he played as a young kid. But I, I think, you know, there comes a point where, you know, this – it's a two-way street, right? He's got to figure out a way to get those snaps, and he will. He did it in the second half, right? But also, you know, the coach has got to help him. We were in shotgun at Notre Dame maybe less, probably about 10% of the time, maybe even less at that period in the 90s. So it wasn't a whole lot for me, but I didn't overthink it, right? But mm-hmm. what, what my coach did, what Coach Holtz did, and what I did, I researched it because I had not only snapping with a guy underneath me, never snapped in a gun. So we, re, you know, we researched it, and it just became automatic. And, mm-hmm. and I just think right now he's just overthinking it. He didn't overthink it in the second half, and you saw the results. But uh, he's too good of a player not to be on the field. He'll figure that thing out. And, and I like if I'm a betting man and if I'm hedging against, uh, against Purdue this weekend, you're not, you're not going to see those errant snaps this weekend. Couple more minutes. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Kaz, uh, I want to get into uh, the, uh, the the transfer portal. You you kind of intimated into it a little bit earlier in our conversation, and uh, you, you have attrition, and and every program does. And what is that process like as a coach? Coaching today's athlete, 
that some kids come in entitled, some kids come in with um, uh, a lack of confidence, other, they, they want to play at this level, but some guys have some doubt. I mean, you have all different sorts of personalities, and it's never a cookie cutter. My question to you is, you know, how do you deal with guys that – uh, have a disagreement with uh, the playing time they may or may not be getting, and also that that re-recruitment side of things, keeping kids involved, engaged, and and not running for home. Because if they're patient, which kids aren't, I get it, uh, they could turn into really good players. And and you see programs losing kids left and right. Oh, this, this, this portal is just oh man. Unless unless the staff that that recruited you leaves mm-hmm. I, I just i just disagree with the with the portal um you know life is hard right mm-hmm. marriage is hard working's hard business is hard you know college football it, it's hard but what's great about being a student athlete just being a college student is is you you learn how to handle adversity and what I see, not just in college football these days, is you see a society that does not understand how to handle adversity. Um, and when these players have an out, they take it. Uh, and, you know, you go back 25, 30 years, there's a lot more places to go. Um, you know, there wasn't the UCFs, the USFs, mm-hmm. you know, Texas Tech, the Baylors, the Tech. You know, guys weren't going to leave in Nebraska or a Notre Dame or a Penn State or a Michigan to go to these places. They were gonna they were gonna stick it out and drive through and deal with the adversity and, and graduate from the school that, that, that they committed to. It's just it's just a different it's a different age. But I can tell you as a as a coach, man, I I would I would struggle. Schmidt, you know, I, I'm a hard driving guy and the guys that I coached that played for me, they, they appreciate that and they understood that. You know, it was never about me. Um, it was about me trying to get these guys to see where I saw them beyond the limits that they put on themselves. And that's what every coach does. Uh, it's about pushing guys. I mean I mean, it's just human nature. There's not a whole lot of fun about getting up and going to conditioning, you know, when you got a 35-mile-an-hour win in January in Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, there's a whole lot of things that aren't fun about being a college football player. Um, and, you know, you get, can't just turn and run the other way when things don't go your way. You've got to fight through those things. And I know it's hard, man. It's hard roster management. Uh, but those guys that leave that fast, you know what? They were going to fold on you at some point when you needed them. So that's the way I look at it. Um, and, you know, the further away you get from home, the less you know about a guy. And, um, man, it's tough. I know with Nebraska you got to recruit nationally. Mm-hmm. But, man, you know, those kids from Big Ten country, it just doesn't seem like they're as quick to, to leave um, – as some other folks, right? And, and, and I'll say that, and I don't, I don't say that about the Southeast or different parts of the country. I'm saying, you know, Clemson had a five-star running back go back to Florida. Right. Kid from Florida committed to them. He took off, I think, back in September. If that kid's from South Carolina, he's not going back home. He's, he's got a place to go, an equivalent program um, with a brand name that he can go to. That kid, if he was from South Carolina, he'd still be at Clemson. So, you know, I, I, there's... It's I can't imagine dealing with it, but also to me, 
there's no way in hell, Smitty, I was going to change the way I coach guys, right? <laughs> there's no. It, I would have had to find guys just like I did at Iowa and just like I did at Nebraska that wanted to be coach. And I was honest and Bo was honest. And I, this is how you're going to be coached. And this is why you're going to be coached this way. All right? Because I want you to be great. I don't care if you like me for these next four years. I care if you like me when you're 40 and you got three kids and you lose your job and you're facing adversity and you can reach out to me and we can help you and you're going to dig yourself out of that hole, right? Or when you sign that third contract for $40 million, right? Like that's, that's when you're going to appreciate that coach that pushes you, right? That saw way more in, inside of you than you saw in yourself. And, and I tell you, those kids that just up and leave this quick, I mean, hey, I know there's all kind of reasons for kids leaving, man. But when you leave that fast, to me, that tells you a little bit about, about those guys. And I just think that there'll be a time they were going to fold on you anyway at some point when you needed them. And you got to worry about the guys that are on the roster. Don't worry about the ones that leave. Worry about the guys you got in that locker room and on that sideline because that's all that matters right now, Schmitty. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Welcome back to it, Hale Varsity Radio Best of Edition. I'm Damon Barr, taking over today for Chris Schmidt. Uh, we got a great show lined up today. Sorry we couldn't get into it before. Uh, you just heard Rick Kaczynski talk, but uh, we have Luke Gifford coming up this segment. Um, right before the draft, he, of course, went undrafted in 2019. He now plays linebacker for the Cowboys. Coming up after that, we have Husker signee Teddy Prohaska. 6'8 offensive lineman out of Elkhorn South. We will have two segments with Teddy P coming up. Next hour kicked off by the Pirate Mike Leach talking about signing day, talking about some of the, the stranger things that he is uh, he's signed throughout his career. Then a uh, 525 hour, Brad Edwards talking uh, college football playoff. Of course, now we know the teams. Uh, we'll hear some speculation. And at 540, who could forget a, uh, a best of tradition, the annual Clausburn Brandon Vogel spelling bee. You will not want to miss that. And then to cap off the show, uh, remembering Bob Diaco, we're going to have our uh, favorite Bob Diaco quotes coming up at the end of the show. Uh, but without further ado, here is Luke Gifford from 2019, right before the NFL draft. We welcome back in uh, standout uh, Husker linebacker and uh, has his sights set on the NFL. Luke Gifford back with us on Hale Varsity. Luke, how you been? Thanks for the time. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, what's it been like here the last week for you? Your uh, your travels. Tell us uh, where you've been and what uh, what you've been up yeah. to. Yeah, you know, um, it's been it's been kind of crazy the last couple of weeks. I've been in Minneapolis and New Orleans, and I actually have another meeting tonight with um, Detroit. But I've probably talked to close to all 32 teams here in the last couple of weeks and throughout the whole process. So it's been, it's been really fun. Um, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. So the feedback to you from them has been what? They've obviously wanted to, to get with you because of your size and athleticism and versatility. <clears throat> but um, mm-hmm. are you nervous when you go talk to an NFL team? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I think the, the, the first time it was a little nerve-wracking. Um, you know, you see all these guys on TV and, and you know, you've, you've heard of them growing up and then you're sitting in their office meeting them and having conversations about football. And I mean, once you get in there and you start talking, it's, 
it's nothing different, you know. But um, it is a little intimidating at first, and it, and it took me a little bit to get used to, for sure. Luke Giffords joining us, Hale Varsity Radio, Husker linebacker, and uh, set for uh, what's next for him. And he's chatted with most of the NFL, which is really cool. Tell me about your training. How has that gone? And uh, what have you been working on and trying to hone in on to get ready for that uh, that next workout, that next tryout, that next opportunity? Yeah, it's been really good. Um, you know, staying here in training in Lincoln was really beneficial for me. Um, I, I've gotten a lot out of it. You know, just being able to use the weight room and the indoor facility down at the university has been huge. Um, our coaching staff has been really supportive. So that's been really nice, you know. And then I'm, you know, the biggest thing for me and especially linebackers in today's league is, you know, everything's about speed now. So just being able to have fluid hips and and turn and run with guys is huge. So I'm always working on my hips. And um, and then, you know, just just keep getting stronger. You can never be strong enough. So that's been the biggest thing for me. And and then and then kind of you know trying to learn new positions um i'm potentially gonna have to play inside at the next level you know there's a lot of teams that see me outside or inside so just learning those things you know i've met with coach shenander a couple times to pick up on the inside backers and some of the things that they do so it's been a fun process luke giffords joining us hail varsity radio luke uh, what's your reaction to to that inside suggestion i mean i I know you can do it. I know you're big enough to do it, but have you reached out to, to anybody about playing inside aside from Shenander? Have you, you picked Coach Rude's brain? Have you talked to any of your former teammates about that switch? Does it freak you out or does it you just kind of roll with it? Yeah, um, you know, it, it is different. And um, But luckily I have a little bit of experience just from um, past staffs. You know, I didn't, I didn't always play inside, but I got a little bit, got a little taste of it um so i kind of know what to expect and i haven't talked to coach Rude about it yet but he's definitely something that someone that i want to hear um before the draft you know and, and just kind of see what he has to say about it but um there's a lot of the same things um you know it's all about reading your keys and having your eyes in the right place and if you can do that then the game kind of slows down for you but yeah it'll definitely be an adjustment if that's something that i have to do which i'm assuming it probably will be at some point in time um, but I think I think I'll be able to roll with it and and pick it up pretty quickly. Have you had any any awkward discussions? As in, brag about yourself, sell yourself. Uh, you've always been a real, pretty humble dude. But have you had uh, to answer something uh, and, and kind of pump yourself up? I guess is my question. When in those meetings? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, it's hard for me. Um, it is. You know, <laughs> there was one one time uh, I don't remember who it was or what organization it was, but they said something like, "Well, you just seem really modest." I mean, I don't know, like, do you have a chip on your shoulder or anything? And I was like, "Well, yeah. If we want to start talking about that, I can get into it." But <laughs> it's hard for me to talk about myself. So, um, yeah, I, I've learned that I, you you really are selling yourself. You know, you got to push yourself to. You know, you don't want to be. You don't want to be cocky, but um, just make sure that they know you're really confident in your abilities, and which I am, you know. So it's just it's different. It's it's not like college where um, they're just recruiting you. You know, it's it's different. You got to sell yourself to them, and um, so it's a different aspect for sure. Okay, so what is if there is that chip on your shoulder? Then what what mm-hmm. what do you use for motivation? 
Well, you know, I think the biggest thing for me, um, you know, I think if I don't have those two injuries that I had in, in my time in Nebraska, then it's really not even a discussion whether or not I'm getting drafted, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, I hope I end up getting drafted on day three, but if I don't, then um, I'm still going to go about it the same way, you know. But I've been, everybody I've talked to, I've told, listen, I'm not a day three type player. You know, I have a lot left. Um, and my best football still to be played. That's Luke Gifford, Hale Varsity Radio, Husker linebacker, and uh, futures set on the NFL. Luke, uh, a thought here on Nebraska. Is it going to be weird Saturday for you with the spring game and you're watching for the first time ever? Yeah, it is going to be really weird. Um, never experienced tailgating or being outside the stadium um, the day of a game in, I mean, five, six years. So it will be weird. Um, I'm looking forward to it, though. I'm ready. I'm excited for those guys. and It'll be fun to watch them. So what's on the old, the old menu if you're going to tailgate for the first time? I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to hit up some of my friends and see what they do on on game days. I'm a newbie, so um, I'm sure they'll have a bunch of spots to take me and all that stuff. But I'm excited for it. It'll be fun. Make sure that, you, that they are feeding you. You're not bringing, but you're just partaking. All right. <laughs> yes. Yes. No doubt. <laughs> I want to go back to this team, and, and Coach Frost has been extremely upbeat so is Chenander defense it looks like has gotten the better of the offense I know the O-line still trying to work some things out with center and guard but I mean the defense has made strides and and steps forward Um, and it feels like the culture that you guys kind of help set is starting to take hold of of accountability and guys want to go play football versus oh man we got to go to practice guys like Lamar Mm -hmm. Jackson are a voice in the locker room and a leader and guys have grown up the defensive line is taking steps forward as well is there a point last year where that that culture changed for the better i know it did but can you pinpoint that that positive tipping point um you know i think it kind of started after um kind of after the northwestern game you know people started kind of believe more and then but really when we went toe-to-toe with ohio state i think that's when the biggest jump happened you know we had kind of we had started in the right direction but then you know, to go up there and go down to the wire with them and really probably should have pulled that game off. Um, I think that showed people a lot, you know, that we were just heading in the right direction. And and it is, it's amazing, honestly, even to just go to practice. And, you know, there's still things we worked on and areas that um, guys got to develop and stuff. But it is just a completely different atmosphere, the way they practice and play. So it's been really fun to watch. Luke, uh, some thoughts on the outside backers. I know Caleb Tanner isn't playing, but Fergie's a senior. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Davis is a senior, and Alex is one of the guys that have, that's been mentioned, and JoJo Doman as well. Touch on that core group of, of backers on the outside that are back, and, and what's impressed you about, about – has is, is any of those kids stood out to you? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Ferg, Ferg is a good player, man. If he stays healthy, he can, he'll have a really big year, I think. Um, and then, you know, Alex, if Alex cuts loose and just plays, he can be a really good player too. And I've seen him do it. You know, he does it at times. And so for him, it's just kind of putting it all together and, and being consistent with it. But I think he's definitely made um, a big jump this spring. And then JoJo, I think JoJo's, JoJo's just a football player. He is always making plays. Um, the majority of the time that there's a big play made in practice, 
it's probably something that that guy did. So uh, he's a, he is a heck of a player. So I'm really excited to watch him this season. And then, you know, like you said, there are young guys. Caleb Caleb's going to be a really good player here. I think. You know, it's obviously his um, injury kind of kind of set him back a little bit. But I think he'll have a good, have a good summer and and come into fall camp ready to roll. With Doman, I mean, it's a similar path to you and Luke mm-hmm. Gifford's with this because he was a he was a safety in, in you know at Nebraska but they put put him at the training table he's at 230 yeah. uh Brickhouse is edited but that's the term used by <laughs> coach DeWitt and he's right <laughs> <laughs> right but you also I mean you were a safety that that converted to outside I mean mm-hmm. about 90 seconds here was that easy was that difficult you you made it look easy yeah, you know, it's 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 a lot different, but there's also a lot of similarities, you know. A lot of times those safeties are playing similar roles when they're coming down into the box, you know. Um, so I think JoJo kind of has start to, started to understand that, that really he, he may be playing linebacker, but he still does a lot of things that he would have been doing playing safety. Um, and he gets to blitz and do all that other fun stuff, you know. So he's someone that really – you know, he's starting to understand the defense and he's starting to kind of toy with the way he lines and all that stuff. And as as soon as he starts doing those things, um, we'll look out because he can make a lot of plays. Luke Gifford, standout Husker with us, and he's looking towards the NFL. Luke, we'll get caught up with you again uh, after the draft. Thanks so much. Thank- yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Luke Gifford on a Hale Varsity Radio Best of Edition quick note nearly 70 percent of people in fatal crashes in nebraska are not wearing a seat belt if used properly a seat belt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60 percent your best defense in any crash buckle up message brought to you by the nebraska department of highway safety office next up teddy pro hoska offensive lineman signee with the huskers we'll hear from him from signing day Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Welcome back to a Hail Varsity Radio Best of Edition. Let's continue the show with Teddy Prohaska from Signing Day 2020. Let's step in with a big-time get uh, just up the road from Elkhorn South. Teddy Prohaska is with his offensive tackle. Teddy, what's the, uh, I guess, the wait been like for you to finally uh, sign on the dotted line today? Well, you know, it's been a long time coming. Uh, It's just this day I've been waiting, looking forward to it for months now. And uh, now that it's actually here and I'm finally signing and officially a Husker, it's just like a weight's been lifted off my shoulders, and I'm just overly, overly joyed. Teddy Prohaska is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, early signing day 2020 for the 2021 class. Now, Teddy, I want to kind of get into your recruitment for a moment. And uh, yeah, Barrett Rood and Greg Austin were very key in, in helping you become a Husker. And I know you're, you're a, a Nebraska guy, but... Was there ever a, a moment, or did you ever wonder, or was it always Nebraska for you? Kind of take us through your process, and then ultimately, what made you most comfortable? Yeah, so when they first offered me, I it was kind of a dream come true, just because growing up in Nebraska, that's like the dream of that every football player has is going to go play there. 
But, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. It, it was I was kind of open to other schools. If they wanted to, you know, offer me or if they were interested in me, I'd go check them out. But uh, as the process kind of went along, I found myself making more relations with the coaches at Nebraska than I was at other schools. Uh, I was making relationships with some of the players there and uh, some of the other recruits that they had coming in. And so I just kind of felt more comfortable with that program. I now I'm I, I don't think I, if I could do it all again, I'd do it any differently. Uh, and just in the end, it was just the coaching staff. I'm comfortable with them. The game day environment that they have, the fans. I mean, of course, this year it's not the same, but mm-hmm. I know that it's going to get to that eventually while I'm still there. And uh, I, I mean, there's really nothing more to it. Teddy, with with Coach Austin, your your position coach, how is he able to connect with you? And I mean, the, you know as well as a lot of Nebraska kids that Nebraska offensive line tradition, being an in-state kid, what is it about Coach Austin that you believe in? And then vice versa, what did he what did he see in you? Obviously, your measurements are great. You play great football, but again, it's a jump to a major Power Five league. Yeah, I mean, from the first day I met him, I knew that there was something special about him. He he tells it how it is. If he you know has some criticism, he'll let you know, but he'll also let you know what you can do to improve on that. And I just felt like that openness that we had with each other. I mean, he was still recruiting me and wanted me to go there, but I I mean, he did it in a way that made me feel comfortable in knowing that he was going to be the, my coach and teacher for what was to come. Also. Uh, he saw my physicality, you know, obviously measurables play a big factor into it, but when you're my size, it's also about physicality and my ability to pull and block in the open space. And they've kind of, you know, let me know that that's how they want to use me as guy to get out into space and make those blocks on linebackers or, you know, pass protection. He enjoys how I, you know, do my pass pro. And I, uh, he, that's what he would just tell me throughout this season, last season, throughout the entire recruiting process. Teddy, I want to ask you briefly about some of the other guys that are in your recruiting class. Uh, you got to play against one of them in the state championship game. That was Kobe Bretz. Um, but which yeah. of those guys are you closest with? Uh, and uh, which ones are you most excited to step on the field with? Um, I'd say I'm closest with Henry Litowski, Thomas Fedoni, Seth Malcolm, Heinrich. And uh, those are like some of the guys that I, I've – hung out with before i'm close with aj rollins james carney uh, those like those in-state guys kobe uh I, i'd say i'm most excited to step on the field with henry just because of how close we've become throughout this process he was one of the fir- uh one of the first guys i told that was one of the recruits from nebraska that i was committing you know we're rooming together that i mean i've seen his film i know that he's going to do great things there i just can't wait to play with him Teddy Proask is with us a few more minutes. Signing day, December, the early signing session for the 2021 class. Teddy Prohaska is with us from Elkhorn South, signed to be a Husker this morning. So, Teddy, I mean, have the guys given you a nickname or anything? Are you the ambassador? You, you touched on the, uh, the, the chemistry you have with the guys. You were hosting a lot of watch parties. I mean, how many, how many football games did you and some of the guys sit and watch together? Um, about two or three, but I mean, that's when they can make it up. Uh, no, no nicknames quite yet. We do have a group chat called operation Teddy's house. So <laughs> we texted that if we're planning on making a, 
having all the guys left to come watch the game. But uh, I bet the nicknames will come soon. Operation Teddy's House. So give us an idea. I mean, you got linemen, you've got defensive backs, you've got skill guys. Yeah. What, what was the spread like? Let's talk food for a minute. We'll get into more football. But what was the spread like in the basement? You know, uh, we got to get the pizza. The we got we uh, catered runzas and you know uh, wings, all the whole nine yards for giving it like a somewhat Nebraska game day feel when it comes to food. Okay, uh, who put the most food away, or did you kind of take that home because of being on the O line, being as big as you are? Yeah, I mean, I would say between me and Henry, we kind of clear house when it comes to eating food if there's anything left over we'd kind of just go through and pick it off <laughs> teddy while we're on the topic of food you got a pretty big frame and i expect that you're probably going to be filling that out as you get uh, to the university of nebraska uh putting away a lot of food but, but what do these coaches have planned for you in terms of strength and conditioning in terms of what type of body they want for you and, and where they want you on the offensive line well um i'm sitting at about 297 right now just under like 300 they told me that they can get me playing healthy and still able to move at 325. I know that it's going to come gradually. I put weight on pretty easily. But uh, lifting a lot of weights and eating a lot of food, I mean, that's kind of the game plan right now. Teddy, when did you kind of hone in on, on football just in, in your life? When did when did it go, okay, this is a sport I, I, I really like most? You're pretty athletic. Well, I mean, football has always been like a huge part of my life. I mean, flag football through youth tackle football, through middle school, through high school. It didn't really sink in that this could be something that I could do at like a college level until I got that first offer. And when it happened, uh, I mean, it kind of, that's when I realized, hey, I'm not really going to be focusing on any other sports, that this is the sport I'm going to play. I did play basketball still, Mm -hmm. but I mean, that was just kind of a side thing for me to stay in shape. We will hear more from Teddy Prohaska in just a few moments. Um, offensive lineman out of Elkhorn South signee for the 2021 Huskers class on a Hale Varsity Radio Best of Edition. If you're just joining us, you missed out on Rick Kaczynski and Luke Gifford in the first hour. If you want to catch the show, the podcast will be up on Spotify on iTunes, on Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Hail Varsity Radio, part of the Herdat media family. Thank you to everyone over at Herdat and Hail Varsity for making this show happen. And we are also sponsored by the Nebraska Lottery. Coming up, we have Teddy Prohaska in the next hour. You don't want to miss it. Mike Leach. We have Brad Edwards, a spelling bee to remember, and a little bit of Bob Diaco. Teddy P. up next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome back to a Hale Varsity Radio Best of Edition. We continue our talk with Teddy Prohaska on signing day. What's your uh, take on things right now, Teddy? Is you're going to enroll early and get there and, and bond with some of the, the the current guys? And I'm sure you've been able to talk to guys that are on the team. But you know, uh, just as coach coaches have said. The ups and downs, the in- inconsistency. They're they're working on turning a corner. Uh, what's your your view on that? And what's a class goal? Have you guys talked about some of the things you want to do? You know, yeah, the coaches have said it. It's inconsistency, shooting shooting themselves in the foot. You can, I mean, 
from my perspective, I can see the O-line looking a lot better and progressively looking better than what they used to look like. And I think that's just kind of the culture thing. You know, the coaching program, their coaching staff there kind of came in and I felt like the culture was broken. But uh, it's just kind of a rebuilding the culture. And they're close, you know, they're losing close games. I know that's going to turn around eventually. But with this class, I mean, yeah, I thing I noticed most is there's a lot of guys that are prepared to work their asses off, you know, get in day one, hit the weight room, start working, you know, learn the playbook and want it to make an impact as soon as possible just to turn that curve and start winning games that we need to win. Teddy, I'll, I'll let you get out on this. And Teddy Prohaska is with us. Hail Varsity Radio. We hear a lot about culture and we understand culture, but in your mind, what, can you define a successful culture? What's that like in the locker room, peer to peer? Um, I'd say holding each other accountable. You know, uh, if if a player sees that one player was kind of slacking on certain drills or didn't have the best practice, is holding them accountable, making sure that they get that figured out, making sure that they're coming back ten times harder the next time around at the next practice or next game or whatever it is, the next drill. And then eventually that's just going to translate to games. Is this everybody's holding each other accountable, you know, believing that they can win these games, working as hard as they can. I, I feel like that's, that's winning culture. Are you comfortable having that voice? I mean, at the start, it's going to, I mean, I'm going to have to grow into that. Sure. But eventually, yes, I'm definitely comfortable being that guy that holds people accountable, making sure they're doing the right thing. Denny Brohaska, Elkhorn South, and, and of course, uh, part of Nebraska's 2021 class. Teddy, best of luck to you. We'll do this again. Thanks for a few minutes with Hale Varsity. Thank you. Appreciate it. Teddy Prohaska on Hale Varsity Radio, best of edition on this Monday. Uh, if you're looking to make a move in 2021, give the real estate professionals at West Blue Realty a call today. Specializing in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities, they will help you make your next move a smooth one. For a limited time, mention Hale Varsity and West Blue Realty will provide you with up to $1,000 upon the closing of your next home purchase. Call Tom Luby at 402-540-3768 or Kelly Hofschneider at 402-202-2312 for more details. It pays to work with West Blue. Visit them at westbluerealty.com or 1120 K Street, Suite 200 in Lincoln. You got to ask yourself, what can West Blue do for you? All right, we're moving on into hour two of this Hale Varsity Best of. We're going to start things off with a favorite, the pirate himself, Mike Leach, from signing day also, talking about some of the, the strange things that he's signed over the years. After that, we have Brad Edwards to talk about the college football playoff, uh, which team is the team to beat. It won't surprise you. Um, and then the Clausburn Vogel annual spelling bee. Definitely not going to want to miss that at 540. And then we will sign off with Bob Diaco. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome back to Hail Varsity Radio Best of Edition. Here's the pirate, Mike Leach. Coach, you do, 
Yeah, shoot, we're getting ready to go out and practice, get ready for another one here, you know? Well, that's the way it is, and I got to ask you, uh, how's it worked out for you? Mike Leach with us here on Alevar City Radio. You're down to slim and none when it comes to your scholarship numbers. How have you navigated that the last couple of weeks? You got Auburn this weekend. Yeah, we're gaining ground a little. We're still below the limit or whatever, but um, anyways, it, it is what it is. And then, you know, so it's kind of mixed. I mean, on one hand, um, you don't want to be shorthanded, but the other hand, you really don't want to miss the opportunity to play, you know? Well, that's kind of the message here in Lincoln. Scott Frost and Nebraska have been very adamant all year, obviously, about playing ball. And it's not gone well some weekends. It's gone well other weekends, but it's about getting better, and you get better by playing. Has that been your message to your kids? Yeah, that's totally been our message. And, um, and you know, the thing is, is uh, with all the disruption, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it's pretty difficult to um, consistently uh, – perform at the level you'd like and of course we're a very young team so that was going to be an adventure anyway but um but the thing is is uh you know you still want you want to get those reps in i mean there's a lot of good stuff happening out there and we're, we've got guys getting better and things like that and um and you really want to continue that coach uh do you how do you stay patient with youth, you, you can see flashes, and this isn't your first rodeo building a program. It's it's up and down, it's highs and lows. I mean, it's really exciting to see them improve, and then there'll be some bonehead thing that uh, you look out there and you say, "I can do that myself." Which, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's just it, it is. I mean, it's. It, it, it's it, it's um, both extremes. Very fulfilling, and very frustrating. I got to ask you: Are, are you are you in a, a kitchen or a um, a kind of a, a work slash break room? You, you got the you got some rattling around yeah, going okay. on. Here's what's going on here. You like this? Uh, okay, so it's a cowbell. So I'm signing stuff, footballs and cowbells. And see, we're a big cowbell university. So, so was, uh, I'm signing some cowbells, and they sound like this. So we got a bunch of cowbells here, and so I'm signing some for the the good folks of uh, Mississippi State. I, I like that the uh, the, the cowbell. And I don't have just the uh, the the instrumental to to don't fear the reaper, but man, I wish I did because you could play along. We could for sure. Mike Leach with us on Hale Varsity Radio. So I want to jump into the the transfer portal with you on on how that is to navigate in twenty twenty, and if. You put your college football czar hat on. Uh, would you would you have it as wide open as it is, or are you just dealing with it? Just deal with it. I mean, um, you know, I'm uh, just dealing with it. That's all you can do. I mean, uh, you know, the transfer, um, you know, you wonder if, if, if you're going to have a transfer portal. Um, 
you know, maybe we ought to say as, uh, as teams or coaches, you ought to be able to transfer some guys that they don't hold up their end, you know. <laughs> so so cutting folks that aren't living up to expectations? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, guy says, hey, uh, you know, I want to go somewhere where I can play. Or, you know, there's some guys, you know, sometimes – a certain amount are just malcontent type of guys that you just missed on. You're just wrong about. And then the guy transfers. They want a different school. Well, we might want a different player, you know? What's that like for you uh, when it comes to making contact with a kid? Obviously, you want to see him in person and, inv- and evaluate. You, you can't do that in 2020. But just overall, uh, through your experience... Uh, uh, Honestly, most of the players that we've had uh, transfer are guys that are looking for an opportunity to play for the most part. Not all, for the most part. They're looking for a chance. They're down the depth chart. They just want a chance to play. And that's, I, I think that's more legitimate. There are some cut-and-run guys. There's no question about that. Um, uh, but uh, I think that... Uh, you know, they're talking about some rule where uh, everybody gets a free transfer for one year and doesn't have to sit. Well, then if they do that, then everybody will just uh, strictly recruit off the transfer portal, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I think they need to be careful with this. I mean, uh, because, you know, when I was in college, hell, I wanted to cut and run a lot, you know. It's like, oh, this is hard. Yeah, it's hard. And then, um, but you know, there's a certain amount of growth and benefit to persevering and pushing through, and um, and the ability to uh, uh, the ability to do that is something that you learn. You're not just born with. And I think that uh, uh, you know, have, having to push through uh, uh, provides its own rewards. And I think that that's a uh, important thing that uh, we need to make sure doesn't get lost. A few minutes, Mike Leach with us, Hale Varsity Radio, head coach, Mississippi State. Big showdown with Auburn this weekend, and coach right now is signing cowbells for all the Mississippi State fans, and I'm sure a few Husker fans would uh, would send a cowbell your way if, if they had one. Uh, I gotta ask you, with the, the conversation, uh, when it comes to a kid, have you had kids... Look in the eye and say, Coach, here's my reason. And then does the conversation stay positive? Do you get ticked off? Does the kid get an attitude? You, you've had all, all instances, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. What, what, the, the first part of the question, what did you say? When it comes to the, the transfer part, do you have kids come tell you themselves, or is it just something you find out after the fact? Uh, both. Both, uh, but they uh, to go on the portal. They go through. They go to compliance. So you, um, even if they don't come to you, you, you hear from compliance that they're going to. You know, and some kids. I mean, it's all shapes and sizes. Sometimes yeah. the guy's just discouraged, and you need to pep him up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes the guy's uh, a bad attitude guy, and he beats you to the portal before. Uh, uh, you know, you were inclined to encourage him to move on. Right. Sometimes it's a guy down the depth chart that you really have kind of a lot of uh, um, admiration for, you know, that tries hard, plays hard, does everything you ask him. 
he just wants an opportunity to play. And then yet, and you know, at least in my case, I actively uh, will call around and try to, you know, uh, find some people to, uh, you know, that would be a good opportunity for him. And then, um, um, and then some have just been guys that, Oh, I don't know. Like a young guy just gets discouraged prematurely and rather than stick it out, uh, um, uh, where, you know, odds are high, he would have been successful if he kept pushing and kept trying. Um, you know, he didn't give himself that apple opportunity, you know, goes on the transfer portal and, and those type of guys, uh, you'll see him on the portal again, the you know, the following year, you know, some guys are, some guys are perpetual portal guys. And, um, and, uh, you know, and I think that's a bad approach. What's an instance, you said that there were times you wanted to cut and run. Who gave you the advice to stick it out? Obviously, you've um, had moments where you've had to, to persevere, persevere through things. But is there a moment you think back to, uh, either undergrad, law school, coaching, whatever? Well, you know, I, I went to college I, I, uh, and I, I graduated in eight semesters, which is a little quicker than I'd recommend. I should have smelled the roses more. Yeah, um, about 17. I should have smelled the roses more. But, you know, I mean, it, it's all the same thing with everybody, if you think about it. It's really, generally speaking, it's it's the same with everybody. You, you know, you have a bad day. You feel sorry for yourself. You got all of a sudden in you know, a midterm a paper and two other papers and then a surprise pop quiz, all the stuff, you know, you get overwhelmed with your academics. You start to feel sorry for yourself. You think maybe I should do something else. Is it all worth it? You start to feel sorry for yourself. Uh, you know, four years of school or if you, in my case, if you go to law school, that's a long time. You know, you feel sorry for yourself. You just got to boost yourself up. And I, I found that just kind of uh, uh, trying to be around positive people, listening to positive people that have achieved things, um, I can draw my own encouragement out of that. Some of it was subtle. Some of it's just maybe a nice person or a stranger you met. Mm-hmm. Some of it were friends that I could confide in. Um, basically, they just listen and you get it off your chest and just by articulating it. You create your own clarity to a situation. I can't say I was always right, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that it definitely helped and it uh, offered me a chance to make the right decision a lot of times. Um, and uh, I don't know, you just you just got to keep pushing. You got to keep uh, showing up. And, uh, you know, all you can do every day is, uh, is uh, believe in yourself and do the best you can. And I think in the end, it'll take you quite far. Mike Leach with us, Hale Varsity Radio Coach, uh, sitting in, getting ready for practice, signing cowbells. Uh, we could play Name That Tune, but I, I want to ask you, a, uh, what, what's the, the coolest or the um, most unique thing you've signed in your career? And I know there's a lot of books out there, Swing Your Sword, that have autographs. I don't, I don't know about cool, but unique was, okay, so I was at a signing I was at a signing um, at Texas Tech, you know, and after spring, after the spring uh, game, we would have, uh, 
we would have uh, uh, autograph signs. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and so uh, there's a there's a lady back there, an older lady, and she's a, she's a big older lady, and um, and she comes up and you know kind of laughing, blushing, laughing and blushing, and she comes up. And she holds up this bra. Oh wow! And I mean, this this bra—we're talking uh, volleyball size, okay? And I, I don't know what the the letters of the alphabet would be, but uh, multiple Ds. You know, you know, it's a, it's that higher volleyball, okay? <laughs> and, and and so then, um, and she's, you know, sort of uh, embarrassedly laughing. I. I as she did it, and then you can see by her T-shirt that that was the the, the one that she uh, wore to the game that day. Okay, because <laughs> you you can you can see that at some point it was pulled off, uh-huh. and then um, behind her, or kind of her, her, and I'm assuming her adult kids, because mm-hmm. they're younger than her, but her adult kids, it's almost like mom lost a bet or something. Or, or they dared her or something. And so they're back there just laughing, right? And she brings up the bra and says, would you sign this? Well, I'm happy to sign nearly everything. And um, <clears throat> so, yep, sure enough, I signed a, I signed a big bra. So you got to sign a bra, but have you ever had to sign, or I shouldn't say have to, uh, have you been asked to sign cleavage before? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I went at the top, kind of between the neck and the cleavage. I, uh, basically, I agreed to uh, shoot high. Okay, yeah, I, sure. I did have a I did have a, a guy come up one time, and no, I mean as long as he enjoys it, I guess it's a good thing. But um, uh, he has me sign his arm. Okay, autograph his arm. Because he's planning as soon as it's uh, you know as soon as it's done. From there, he's going to go uh, get it tattooed on his arm. Okay. Um, and I thought um, tattooing my signature to an arm, I wouldn't encourage anyone to. Um, uh, I would think very carefully about a move like that, but. Um, uh, hopefully he's still satisfied with my signature tattoo to his arm. The Back to the aiming high portion of the interview between cleavage and neck. W- was was the technique solid? Were you shaky or not? Um, no, not shaky at all. Um, not shaky at all. But uh, I'm left-handed. Okay. So... Yeah, um, so it's naturally kind of a a shaky signature to begin with. Uh, left-handers will relate to this um, because if it's going to smear, you're kind of screwed. You don't get a rest. Uh, you don't get a rest your hand um, down while you write like a righty does. Because uh, a lefty, you rest your hand down and, and write. It's going to smear it. Gotcha. You know. Yes. And so you try not to do that. Well, Coach, keep signing those cowbells, and uh, Merry Christmas to you and the family, and we'll do this again. Thanks for jumping on with us. All right, absolutely. Always good to talk to you. 
And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Welcome back to a Hail Varsity Radio Best of Edition. Here's Brad Edwards talking about the college football playoff and who he suspects to be the team to beat. We welcome in Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider College Game Day. And uh, Brad, interesting day. I want to start with this, though. It kind of hits a little bit close to home with some Nebraska fans. A word from uh, different sources, uh, Bo Pelini not expected to return at LSU. Uh, what's your reaction to that? If if there's an announcement a little bit later, let's say it's true, uh, one and done for Bo, does that surprise you? Well, it would have surprised me before the season started, but when you look at everything that went wrong for LSU um, as the season went on, you know, and it got worse and worse, there were some bright spots offensively toward the end. You know, they had a freshman quarterback who played pretty well in the last couple of games, and uh, even without a whole lot of receivers, they still were putting up some points, but but their defense still couldn't stop anyone. And uh, look, I mean, there's no question it wasn't as talented of a defense as they had last year, and Coach O did himself no favors by declaring over the summer that the unit was looking better than it did at any point last season. Um, so, you know, where was there a miscalculation on his part? I mean, certainly he deserves a lot of the blame for this. He made the hire. He's the one who hyped the defense before a game had been played. But ultimately, it's Pelini's scheme. Uh, he was in charge, and it was an absolute disaster. For a team that really, over the last decade-plus, has been one of the most consistent defenses in college football. And so, um, you know, something had to pay. <laughs> something, someone, whatever. Mm-hmm. There, there had to be a hit taken for what happened this year. It wasn't going to be Coach O. So, uh, Bo Pelini it is. Brad Edwards with us. And I think once you get Bo's system down, it's effective. Now you got to have the talent to run it. But you've seen it at its optimum with, uh, with 09 and Sue and company. I mean, that's, that's its as good as it's going to get, right, with uh, the Polini D and you've got some NFL dudes running it for you. But uh, it was it was too tough this year. 35 points uh, uh, a game. Polini's contract was a guaranteed three years, so Bo's getting paid $7 million. Yeah. Bo's collecting yeah, a lot of money. Good gig <laughs> if you can get it. I know. Let's flip gears and talk about the college football playoff. And uh, do you think the, the 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 committee got it right? Do you like the, the the final four we have? And if so, wonderful. If there's a Brad Edwards adjustment, what would it be? What what team do you think had the best argument to to maybe find their way into that fourth spot? Well, for starters, I, I think the top three were a no brainer. Um, I know some people were not happy with Ohio State being at three, but uh, to me, that one was pretty easy. You know, for number four, um, I, I didn't like the choice of Notre Dame. But you have to ask the question that we often ask on basketball selection. When uh, a team gets in that you think shouldn't have gotten in, um, actually, it usually works in reverse in basketball. In, in basketball, it's usually this team should have gotten in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they got a raw deal. But then the follow-up is, okay, well, who should they have been in in place of? You have to take someone out. In this case, you had to put someone in. Like, there has to be a fourth team. 
And while I don't think Notre Dame was deserving of it after what happened to him on Saturday, I I can't sit here and say that I could make a much better case for Texas A&M or Oklahoma or Cincinnati. I know a lot of people wanted to see Cincinnati, but to me, if the committee's going to tell us that it's the four best and not the four most deserving, if it's four most deserving, Cincinnati, go ahead. I mean, they're, they're the only ones that didn't play themselves out. Right. But if it's four best, I, I just have a hard time, not just because of the schedule overall, but even the very last game, the closing argument, you kick a field goal in the final play to beat Tulsa. I mean, there's nothing about that that suggests that you're one of the four best teams. So, um, you know, you take your pick, and they, they took Notre Dame, and I'm not expecting a competitive semifinal, but here's the truth. Very few of the semis through the first six years have been competitive. They are blowouts, most of them. I mean, you had Ohio State-Clemson last year. That's chippy. You have Ohio State that's not apologizing. You have Clemson and Dabo's coaches poll that puts Ohio State at number 11. <laughs> that's, that's great. And Ohio State doesn't like uh, how things ended last year. And they were on the ropes against Northwestern. And then Ohio State decided to run the football. You know, novel concept. We've been talking about that for two hours here. Look what happens when you run the football. But uh, how do you see that shaking out as, as we kind of preview it a little bit here? Is this going to be tight, or do you think uh, Clemson's just, just too dominant, too superior to Ohio State? I think in a normal season, it would have been another really good game like it was last year. But because it's not a normal season, I think, look, as much has been made about Ohio State having this advantage by, you know, not having to play as many games and, you know, apparently the, the committee's giving them a break and, you know, all, all the reasons that people want to argue against them. I think when you get on the other side of the selection now, that, that is not a benefit to Ohio State um, because they have, look, this is going to be game number seven for them. There are a lot of teams that are still trying to get things figured out at Game 7 in a normal season. And, and this is a team that has not figured it out. You know, that the, the lack of continuity. I mean, they went out and they played the first three weekends of the Big Ten schedule, and they have not played in consecutive weekends since then. And it, I think it just affects your ability to, to, to get better, to go out there and continue to get reps and to, to improve upon the things that, that you need to improve on. And uh, that's why you look at them on both sides of the ball and you're like, you know what? I mean, you know their talent is better mm-hmm. than what you see on the field. Um, but this late in the season, th- th- what realistic um, argument could you make for why they would all of a sudden play up to their potential on January 1st? Like, it's just, you, you haven't seen anything building. It would be completely out of left field for them mm-hmm. to do that. And so between the way that they played against Northwestern and the way that Clemson played against Notre Dame, it just seems to me Clemson is just a lot further along as a team, you know, having developed this season than Ohio State. And for that reason, I, I think Ohio State would have to be. It, it's going to take a huge effort from Justin Fields, who – we don't even know for sure what the status is of his thumb injury that was very clearly bothering him at the end of that game. And with only a 13-day turnaround, isn't isn't the usual four weeks, you know, between conference championships and semifinals. So um, less time for that to heal. I, I I just have a hard time seeing Ohio State 
play as well as they'll need to to beat Clemson. And, and it's, it's not really their fault. It's just 2020 in the hand they were dealt. Brad Edwards with us, ESPN Insider College uh, Game Day uh, College Football Analyst at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter. Where should Indiana be? They're in the Outback Bowl against Ole Miss. Uh, that's uh, kind of a homecoming there for, for Coach Allen, was an assistant at Ole Miss. But Ole Miss and Indiana are in the Outback Bowl. You have Oregon and, and, and Iowa State in the Fiesta. You also have Georgia and Cincinnati uh, in the uh, Peach Bowl. You've got some at Indiana. I rate it the Big Ten for not campaigning for IU. Uh, another shot at Commissioner Warren. Where would you, if you were selecting Indiana, who would you have matched them up with? Well, um, I, 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 who who was the team immediately ahead of Indiana in the uh, in the rankings? I, I'm just I'm trying to think who who got into a New Year's Six game ahead of them. Georgia, because, Georgia, and Cincinnati both got in the the, the New Year's Six in the the Peach Bowl. Okay, uh, you've got the Fiesta Bowl, and that has Iowa State and Oregon. All right. And then you got, yeah, then you and, got and A&M look, and Carolina in the Orange Bowl. Okay. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, Iowa State is the team that I would take out. Okay. You know, that, that and I, I understand what the committee's doing, which is that they don't penalize teams for losing a conference championship game. Um, and then Iowa State played well enough in that game oh. to have a chance to win. And they certainly didn't yeah. embarrass themselves, you know. And they are, they are a, a really good team. Um, but I, I look at what Indiana did, and for them to not get a chance to play in that game um, and, and getting passed over by a team with three losses, and and you know one of them is one of them is to a Sun Belt team, and I, it's a ranked Sun Belt mm-hmm. team, sure. But um, that one I think would be the hardest one for me to take if I'm Indiana. Is that they is they put Iowa State in now? Um, do I think Indiana's better than Iowa State? Not necessarily, and certainly with you know without Penix, sure. I, I, you know it, it's a tougher argument to make, and maybe the committee took that into account, mm-hmm. which is that which is that we've only seen them play one game without him, and offensively there there wasn't much there. So I don't know, but I, I hate it. I hate it for them. It's not so much that I, I think you know we should deny Iowa State the chance. I think they deserve the chance to be in a game like this, and it's great for them. But I think Indiana deserved it too, and uh, maybe more than anything, I just wish there were more spots. But uh, mm-hmm. you know what? I wish I, I, I wish they were. The, the correct answer is they should be in there instead of Oregon, right? Yeah, that, that's, that, that's the, the answer. The, <laughs> the system is set up where the conference champion automatically gets in, which is why I didn't go to Oregon first. But but yeah, that's that's where the problem is. It's not Iowa State. It's it's that Oregon is getting into one of these games ahead of Indiana, but. Um, you know, um, outside of that, I think Indiana should have gone to whatever the the, the next best bowl was for the Big Ten. And um, you know, look, I, I, end of the day, I mean, they're 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 playing Ole Miss, and it's an Ole Miss team that has a really good offense, even without its its two best targets in the passing game, mm-hmm. who both decided not to play last week. Um. And and so I think that offense against the Indiana defense is a great matchup. And even though you know Indiana's offense is not what it was because of the change of quarterback, Ole Miss's defense is horrible. So um, I think it sets up to be a good matchup as Let's far take as the overs, strength on Brad. weakness. Yeah, exactly. I mean, whoever has the ball, it's strength on weakness. 
Brad Edwards with us here on ESPN uh, Hale Varsity Radio. Brad, only about 30 seconds left here, uh, so i got to ask you, college football playoff, is Alabama the team to beat? I, I think they're the team to beat, uh, and I think Clemson is the only team that can beat them. Uh, I, I, would, I would hesitate to read too much into what happened to their defense against Florida. Not that their defense is great, but nobody else in the country has a player like Kyle Pitts that can cause you to have to change so much of what you want to do. So I, I don't think you're going to see Notre Dame run up a huge number on Alabama. Brad, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thanks for jumping on with us today, and best to you and your family this uh, this week. Okay, same to everyone out there. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Take care. Brad Edwards with us, ESPN Insider College Game Day. Good stuff. So we went uh, a little national, and we'll have a little bit more on Bo Pelini, dismissed from LSU. Hale Varsity Radio continues. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity Radio, Hale Varsity Magazine. The best of Hale Varsity continues, and we have to include one of our favorites. That is Clausburn. He's imaginary. He wears red, and he participated in a spelling bee, the first annual Hale Varsity Spelling Bee. Jay Moore, TJ Henning, myself, we were all judges. Brandon Vogel, one of the smartest dudes around of Hale Varsity, versus Clausburn. Enjoy. Uh, so Jay Moore is a judge in the first annual Hale Varsity Spelling Bee, as is TJ Henning, as am I. And we welcome in Brandon L. Vogel of HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Vogues, uh, what are your credentials again? Uh, my credentials are that I, I placed in some Boxview County spelling bee that I can no longer remember, but it was eh, probably second, third, fourth grade, somewhere around there. That uh, was impressive. Clausburn, how are you, sir? Well, I'm doing okay. I feel a little ambushed, but as long as we don't have more than two syllables, I, feel, I suppose I'll be okay. Okay, that'll work. And you're not ambushed. Clausburn, you're, you're pretty bright. You're well-read, aren't you? Well, I do come from a family of learned doctors. There we go. We got a little music here. Okay, the first word goes to Brandon L. Vogel. Football. Football. Country of origin, please. America. <laughs> okay. Football. F. O-O-T-B-A-L-L. Football. Judges. That's correct. Okay, good work. Uh, Cla- I'd like to raise a point of contention. The country <laughs> of origin for football is America. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Try to pronounce it correctly so there's no confusion. Thank you, Clausburn. Clausburn, fumble Ruski. Okay, uh, can you use it in a sentence? Uh, Dean Steinkuhler scored on a fumble ruski in the 84 Orange Bowl. Will Shields ran it against Colorado in 1992. Fumble ruski. F U M G R O O S-K-I. That is, that is correct. Well correct. All right. Well done. Uh, Vogel. Switzer. Switzer. Okay. Um, let's see. 
S-W-I-T-Z-E-R. That's correct. That, is, that is correct. Okay. Glasburn, uh, Missouri. Somehow I knew this was going to come up, and I would have been disappointed had it not. <laughs> M I. Let's see, now I'm confused. Does it go Z or S? <sighs> Let me show it again. M I S S O U R A. Missouri. <laughs> We're going to take that. We'll take it. That sounds good. That. that sounds good. It's two to two. Okay. Um, <sighs> Bogues, this is tough. Punt. I'll do my best. Punt. Punt? I can't punt this one. I got to take it? Yes. All right. Punt. P-U-N-T. Punt. Any more brain busters? <laughs> All right. Uh, Claus Burton. Kamani Fred. Um, K H I. M A N I. No. Clausburn. Of course. Well, no one watches basketball. What are you talking about? Kamani Friend is spelled K I M A N I. Friend F F R I E N D. One strike. I got the first name right. That's close enough. Clausburn. Don't argue with hey, me. Hey, hey. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Vogues? Dad gummit. <laughs> okay. Vogues, Riola. Riola. <sighs> I'm interested in the country of origin for this one as well, but I'll just I'll just go. America, R- Hawaii. <laughs> Yeah, let's keep distinction. All right. R-A-I-O-L-I-A. Oh, folks. So close. R-A-I-O-L-A. So we each have a strike here. It's okay. I believe Riola is also an affordable family sedan from Japan, so just trying to... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Clausburn, you're up. Okay. Gonorrhea. C A R L. <laughs> Is that wrong? That is incorrect. Oh. Two okay. strikes. <laughs> Two strikes. <laughs> Uh, Vogue's uh, spell flag. Flag? Okay. F-L-A-G. Flag? That is correct. Clausburn, you need to get this to keep it. Keep it rolling here. Are you okay? Uh, 
I'm okay. Okay. Tone, you Finotti. You give him all the easy ones. (laughs) (laughs) T-O... And I really don't think you need any more letters than that. T O N I U. Ooh, correct on the first part. F O N O T I. He got it. We are tied. We are out of time. We are going to hold this over for the next segment. Each will have one word. One word left. Mm-hmm. Sudden death. Clausburn, I'm impressed. You got Tonyu Finotti correct. In votes? I, have, I blacked out. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Well played. And, man, I, Clausburn missed on Kamani Friend. And Vogues, you missed on Rayola. Rayola. And Clausberg, we're going to leave the, the Carl one alone. Too bad we won't get to hear the end of that spelling bee, unfortunately. Clausburg versus Vogel, the, the greatest matchup of all time. Uh, coming up next segment, we are going to hear from Bob Diaco. It is Bob's greatest hits. Uh, back when Nebraska beat Purdue, Bob Diaco, of course, the defensive coordinator there. It is a Hail Varsity Radio Best of Edition, and we are presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Welcome back to Hail Varsity Radio Best of Edition. I'm Damon Barr. I've been hosting it through today's show. We have one last stop here, and that is Bob Diaco's Greatest Hits. Enjoy. I will remember you. Bob's first presser. Come on down. Will you remember me? Love what I do. Love what I do. I love football. I don't need to read some kind of motivational quote to get out of bed every morning. I mean, I am on fire when my feet hit the floor. I operate that way. Try to, uh, I'd say the style is very intense, um, very detailed, but. But but we, we're positive. We don't tear people down. There's no profanity in the teaching. There's no um, emasculating in the teaching. It's uplifting. There is profanity in the stands. There is emasculation in the stands. More from Disco Bob on the College Football Hall of Fame career of Josh Kellu. In my mind, there's no doubt that he is and or will be one of the best safeties in the country, if not the very best safety in the country. Joshua thanks you. He is killing it for Tennessee. Love me some Kalu. Baloo's Kalu's. Uh, best defense in the country. Can I have that for 100, Bob? There is no doubt that we are going to create a great defense. We are going to create the best defense in the country here. There's no doubt about that. It's just going to take time, and, it's, and the players are, are good enough to do just that. 
Let's talk Mike etiquette. That can go on your shirt, Bob. I had no idea till we went to our tackling drill on the first full padded practice of spring football and found that the players were spectacularly frustrated during the drill because they're willing, they're talented enough to tackle, they're tough enough to tackle, they're willing tacklers, they want to do well, but they don't fundamentally know anymore how to tackle at all. How did this even happen? Did I, of course, tell Riley that I, I have found your stash of Worthers and I'm going to throw them away if you don't take this guy on as your defensive coordinator? Oh, and by the way, fire your bro banker over the phone. Eh. Um, Diaco's not a runner. Contrary to at least what was depicted, I've never run away from anything in my life. Um, I've never not stood up and been accountable and accountable and responsible to uh, my work and what I'm resp- what I'm been entrusted to do. Um, that's never happened. To be painted in that light or, or that way is just absolutely ridiculous. Okay, so he's not into painting. He's not into to running. This the money shot, the strain. There's no reasonable reason, considering where the defensive program was at to believe that they should be able to do everything that needs to be done in the game to, to win the game. The strain is spectacular, right? So we can just go back and look at the game. Then you see, do you see the strain? I mean, do you see it or no? Or is it just something that I'm missing? Right? You can't play a game like that and win. Thank you, Bob. Well, that'll do it for Hill Varsity Radio Best Of. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.